Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of The Virtual Entrepreneur. The title for today's interview is how to get started with your small business company culture and essentially how to build that. And this is an interview with Thomas Kiretsky. I hope I say that right. Did I say that right? Thomas. You said that perfect. That was perfect. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> As you all know, my name is Herbert Innocent and today I am talking with the expert on building your company culture for your small business or big business. And Thomas, Thomas has kindly agreed to join us on this episode so he could share his extensive knowledge as well as expertise and insights into building a company culture. So I want to thank you so much Thomas and welcome to the virtual entrepreneur. Well, thanks for uh, inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here and I hope I can live up to that uh, grandiose introduction. So that's those are <laughs> those are some tough words to fill. <laughs> I, I I personally believe in you. I personally believe in your work and uh, as you always so Thomas has kindly agreed to share all this extensive knowledge so that the entrepreneurs in the audience and myself can learn how to build a winning team to grow our businesses. Thank you again so much Thomas for joining us on this interview. So we are going to jump right in so that you can get started on sharing, you know, your expertise and knowledge with our audience so that they can learn and apply what you have to share and all this new knowledge in terms of where they are. They can apply to where they are in their businesses at whatever stages they are in building that company uh culture. so that so they can build a, a thriving business because at the at the end of the goal you want businesses that are thriving and as you already aware so this the the first set of questions on the show are usually about your background and experiences and then as we progress forward so the aim with that is that you know you can share how you got started uh with the audience so they can understand you first and where you're coming from and how you got started to where you are and then from there on we'll jump into your thoughts about what you will do if you had to start all over or what you are seeing in the industry so that uh you know the small the business owners and entrepreneurs in our audience can understand how you know they can apply all this knowledge as i said to where they are in their situation with whatever they're doing into into today's world and today's tools and resources so before i continue on could you tell us a little bit more about yourself in terms of background um education maybe an experience with you know uh building this company cultures or helping businesses building their company cultures. Yeah, so uh thanks for having me and a little bit about myself. I mean, I've been married to the same woman, uh Kathy for almost 40 years. I have uh three grown children. And uh when you know, when you when you think about entrepreneurs, right? Um we try to mimic, I mean, You, you look around you and you say okay well you know how did this part person become successful you know how did steve jobs become successful uh so we look at examples and we try to repeat those examples and and look as a father as a husband i was an entrepreneur right i mean i looked at my parents when they grew up what they did do right and what they did wrong i looked at other people say okay what's what's their marriage you know how they're growing the kids and and that's pretty much you know also an entrepreneurship uh to to say look you know um how do you raise your kids you know before you become a parent you you can just watch other people what you haven't experienced yourself like an entrepreneur and you're going to make a lot of mistakes just like an entrepreneur right you're going to learn from your mistakes hopefully as an entrepreneur um and then you know that entrepreneur product which is your kids you know sometimes it turns out right sometimes it doesn't turn out right right i mean but that's being part of an entrepreneur so you have a lot of lessons you can um you know you can learn from from being a parent from from being a husband from being a wife um you know so, some people go into marriage with a prenup i mean you know then you kind of go into a marriage with an with an exit in mind from the day that you start you know like what's going to be my exit well i got a prenup so no so no problem so again you know as an entrepreneur life has a lot to teach you you know marriage has a lot to teach you you, you know growing your kids i mean i i've learned more from parenting than any boardroom can uh it could teach me right so um regarding business i mean i went uh from um working for large fortune 100s uh running their local subsidiaries um so that was you know i started up two companies on somebody else's dime and uh so that was sort of like an entrepreneur in a in a big business world uh then i started up uh, three of my own companies uh, on my own dime uh and, and look you know I made a lot of mistakes, 
both for working for other companies and both for working for myself. And I had a lot of good successful stories as well, but that's part of being an entrepreneurship is making mistakes, learning from them, and hopefully made them cheap that it didn't sink you, you know? Made them quick, made them small, so, so it doesn't sink you. So that's, I don't know if that helps you in an introduction, but how about that for a start? I think it definitely helps with the introduction. <laughs> and I think you're right there. I think uh, for, for a lot of entrepreneurs, like you said, I think we start through from life, right? We look at these lessons that we get from our lives and then we try to bring them into business and try to see if we can, you know, we take these, uh, someone said, you know, strategies that have worked in different places and try to apply them in different areas. So that's a really uh, heartfelt warming up uh, story uh, to begin uh, us on this journey and uh, I'm kind of curious in terms of uh, maybe the roadblocks and the challenges that you yeah, you you faced when you first got started into your entrepreneurship world uh, especially as it relates to you know uh, building the vision of a company these cultures or even coaching uh, or helping other businesses build their company culture uh, what are some of the roadblocks that you faced and how did you overcome them well, you know, one of the things that the large businesses teach you, so, I, you know, I benefited from the fact that I worked for large companies and uh, good, not all, but good, successful large companies all have a division. Uh, they pay attention to culture and they have a growth strategy, right? So, you know, in fact, you know, large companies about August to September, you begin laying your plans uh, you go through a planning process, which is a three-year rolling planning process, and then kind of you lock in the next following year into your budget. And that usually gets locked in about November, December, it gets approved, and then comes January, um, you come out of the gate with you know money in the purse and say, okay, now we can spend against these activities, these projects that we budgeted for the year. What happens with a lot of small entrepreneur companies is, is either they forget or they've never been um, uh, exposed to that. So they really, they kind of just do, they don't plan. They kind of just do as they go along. They, they say, all right, well, you know, I'm an inventor and I'm an entrepreneur. I got this widget and I'm going to, you know, become a billionaire off, off this widget. Right. And, uh, they don't do the fundamental basics to say, all right, well, you know, culture is not really important when you have one employee, which is yourself because you're a startup. Right. Um, but culture may become important when you have 10, 15, 20 employees. And if you pay it, if you don't pay attention to it, the one thing that I can guarantee you is, is every company, whether you have one employee or 10 employees or a thousand employees or a hundred thousand employees is going to have a culture. Now you may decide to design that culture the way you want it to be and reinforce it and live it, or you may not pay attention to it. Uh, and then you will have a culture, which is a de, de facto culture. You know, it's, it's, People bring their own uh, agenda in there. They bring their own characters in there. And then you'll have a culture that forms on its own. Um, and, you know, you have a culture. You, you may, may not like the culture. Um, it may be a toxic culture, but the only reason it's there is because somebody didn't pay attention uh, to, to design a culture. Uh, vision is extremely important, right? Because if you don't have a long-term vision, uh, and you don't start off with a long-term vision, then every little shiny object is going to draw you off, right? Um, oh, you know, the competition is doing this, so let's do this. Uh, or this is pretty cool, you know, maybe we can make a couple of bucks off that, let's do that. And then they drag you off in, in all kinds of, you know, different, uh, different sectors. I mean, uh, what the first company that I worked for when I worked for them it was Colgate-Palmolive. Now, granted, it's not an entrepreneur uh, example, but it is a very good example because in the 70s, uh, a lot of large companies went on shopping sprees, including Colgate-Palmolive. So that was the quote-unquote way to get good valuations on Wall Street to say, okay, how many acquisitions and mergers have you done? So Colgate-Palmolive went off and bought all kinds of companies that had they had no business buying. You know, they, they bought a crystal company. They bought a food company. They bought a medical uh, company. They, they bought all these companies, sporting goods, right? Um, so in the, in the early eighties, they've got a collection of all kinds of different categories that they have, you know, they, and they, they, they don't kind of build on each other. Same thing with Sarah Lee. Sarah Lee was in pantyhose and it was in coffee. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, those are very, very different skill sets. 
So uh, then in the 80s, what happened was um, everybody started selling all those businesses off because financially it made absolutely no sense, right? But that's, you know, that's kind of been a good example where, um, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a large company, um, you get kind of, you know, if you don't have a solid vision, you'll, you'll go off on those tangents of the shining little objects, you know, oh, yeah, let's buy a pantyhose company, you know, let's buy a food company, let's buy, you know, all kinds of other companies. So that's very, very dangerous. Um, and if you take, a, you know, a company like uh, Kodak and, and Simon Sinek uses Kodak as a good example where they, you know, quote, quote unquote, they lost their way. Well, they lost their way means that they were not truly efficient anymore. And they kind of went off on a whole bunch of shiny little objects. And before you knew it, you know, Kodak was pretty much out of business. Right? So you got to be very, you know, very conscious. And I'll just say one more thing about uh, culture and then I'll hand it back to you. And when you're a startup entrepreneur company, uh, by default, the culture of the company is going to be the founder's character, right? Because a person's character is equivalent to a company culture. Right? It's the, the same underlying factors form an individual as they do with identity of a company. Uh, so, you know, sometimes when you have two, three co-founders, uh, probably what happens is the culture of the company becomes the one of, I guess, the, the most dominant uh, person's character. Um, and then if that discussion doesn't take place early on, then that company grows and then one or the other founders, you know, five years, six years down the line says, well, heck, I didn't kind of sign up for this. This is not going where I wanted to go. So I'm out of here. Right? It just, you know, it's not working for me. And the reason he's out of there and the reason it's not working for him is because nobody bothered to have a discussion about what should be the culture of the company. It's not just one person's character. It's three founders, three owners. So what, uh, you know, what, what gives, what do we want to do? All right, back to you. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for covering those points. Those are very, uh, I think those are very powerful points in, uh, in, 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 in making, I think a lot of decisions in business, um, from what I've learned, from what I'm seeing and from hearing you. And, uh, I, I think one of the things that is a little bit confusing for us entrepreneurs at the beginning perhaps is you know i am alone and how why do i need this or when you build a team you're wondering well i just gave them a task to do why do i need a culture for that right because it seems like you know you say for example if you have a team of in the current climate most businesses are going for teams of virtual assistants all over the place but those virtual assistants will still deliver work without any filter through which to know why or how should the work be framed. So I'm wondering, for from your experience, what how, how should the entrepreneurs approach or think just because you know you are yourself? How should you go about thinking? You know, this is also important. Or just because you have one employee, how do you go about thinking that I need to implement company culture? Because this seems like a very vague. <laughs> process to try and put in place, right? Well, look, uh, the, the first thing I would say is um, I would encourage entrepreneur, every entrepreneur not to be alone. To be alone is a huge mistake, hmm. right? Um, one is just too small of a number to achieve greatness. If you believe, and, and you know, most entrepreneurs think they can, you know, conquer the world by themselves, but the fact is you cannot. If you are by yourself, you will fail. You need to uh, step one, whether you have employees or don't have employees, you need to build an inner circle. So for example, um, when I started up a large company, when I started up a company for the larger multinationals, right? When I arrived in a country and I didn't know anybody, you know, literally I would, you know, have a rent a car and, you know, cell phone and no office and no nothing. Uh, I would always find a lawyer. I'd always find a banker. Right, uh, some kind of distributor or the, some kind of distribution model, uh, a marketing agency, right? Because these were the the key building blocks of of starting to build a business. Who's going to do your marketing? Who's going to do your sales? Who's going to do your finance? Uh, who's going to get you out of trouble when you make mistakes, right? Um, and those necessarily were not my employees. They were just people that I surrounded myself. They were in my inner circle. They believed in, you know, what I was trying to do, what the company was trying to do, what the vision was. So 
um, just to you know paraphrase your words, you know, if you're an entrepreneur by yourself, why, why does culture matter? I say, well, forget culture for a second. Don't be by yourself. Because if you're by yourself, you pretty much guarantee your failure. Right? Surround yourself with uh, some people who you trust, uh, who are in, the, in, in your circle. They may not be employees, and that's okay. Right? But they're on your team. And um, in order for them to be on your team, uh, they got to buy into you. Right? I mean, you know, if, if they don't believe in what you're doing, a banker's not going to lend you money. If they don't believe what you're doing, a marketing company is going to say, well, I just don't think I can market you. I'm sorry. You know, you, you got nothing there. Um, so they have to believe in your cause. Um, they don't have to be your employees, but they have to be in your team and they have to believe on your cause. And that's why vision and culture is important, because unless you have that, then I got to believe in your cause. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think um, there's this thing there which you said um, that is, you know, they have to be on your team, not necessarily your employees. And I think for a lot of business owners and I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, we have this mindset where we think, you know, my team are the ones who work with me in my company and I pay them. But that's not necessarily always the case because you always have these mentors and all these other people where I suppose you get knowledge, but also you get uh, partnership and assistance. Will that be the right term there for what you are trying to convey for the audience? Well, you got to be careful with a word like partnership because partnership sounds like a legal term. So it's not exactly partnership, but mm. um, I, I think it's um, it, it's an exchange of an idea uh, to say, look, you know, if, if you help me grow, then as a marketeer, I'm going to make more money because I'm going to buy media for you. I'm going to do advertising for you. So mm. as, as a marketing agency, I'm going to make money off you. So I'm going to help you grow. Uh, it makes sense to me. You know, if, if I'm a banker, it helps me, you know, makes sense for me to help you because eventually you're going to have a lot of sales and you're going to have a lot of money and you're going to, you know, I'm going to do all your, you know, banking for you. So it makes sense for me. So, you know, as you align yourself with these uh, quote unquote partners who are not business partners, they're just quote unquote team partners, right? Uh, again, they buy into you, right? They buy into your ideas. And if they don't buy into you, they're not going to help you. Because right? they, if they're up front, they're saying, well, that, that idea Tom has is a cockamamie idea that makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, I, I'm not going to invest my time and my effort and my money to help him because I don't see any benefit to me in, in the you know, longer term. I think most people, um, if they buy into you and they buy into your ideas, are willing to help you. I just, you know, human beings, for the most part, are positive. At least I believe that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and people are, you know, people love to help. People love to help. That is often, that's a very good example there. Um, and I think it's a, it's one of the few things, uh, usually a lot more spoken to startups and, uh, and to business owners who take the route of maybe, uh, funding. Uh, so usually they'll get a lot more support in the area of understanding how to get mentors and people who may not necessarily be their business partner or their employee, but they're part of their team. Whereas for some entrepreneurs beginning, you know, in the basement or garage, usually they may not have that opportunity. But I think it's also just as important, if not more important, to try and find people who has, you know, some kind of a knowledge skill, something that you don't have and can help you propel that way. And I think uh, from what you're saying, this is what I'm taking away from that. And I'm I'm wondering if uh, I'm on the right track there. Um. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely on the right track. Awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome, awesome. And is there a particular example maybe you could uh, help us, you can share with us to really help us sum up in terms of, uh, you know, this concept of, and I wanted to know, I'm trying to keep it within the context of, you know, uh, the, the company culture, the vision, but also when the employee starts coming into the business as you, you're building on, you know, thriving team is the particular story or example that you'd like to share with us that really sums up these area uh, your early experience but also helps us understand this um the importance of this well uh, i said one of i i repeated over a bunch of times to say look one of the things is people have to buy into you right? um you and i talked about you know what is the what was the biggest difference between me as an entrepreneur on my own dime versus me as an entrepreneur for a large company mm. Um, you know, I, I remember 
uh, back in, um, well, this is, you know, back in the 80s when I was working for Colgate Palmolive. And I was starting up there, uh, one of the Eastern European subsidiaries, which was a pure startup. I mean, li literally, I had no office, nothing. I just landed on a plane uh, and said, okay, let's get a business started. Um, so, you know, about nine months or, or 12 months after that, we had good sales and we had an office. And my friend from Citibank, Andrew, he said, hey, Tom, I got a bunch of uh, uh, MBAs that are kind of want to come through and just talk to you and pick your brain a little bit, right? So, um, there's these bunch of executive MBAs from Oxford come through my office, right? And they want to listen to what I've done and, and you know, what does it take to succeed in Eastern Europe? Because Eastern Europe was at that time, uh, the wild, wild East, but you know, it, it was a lot of learning. So, and probably about a half dozen Oxford MBAs left their CVs on my desk <laughs> to see if there was any opportunities for them for, to work for me, right? So. Back in those days, because uh, a large company not only gave you um, a purse, but they also gave you a brand. And really what a brand is, is a, is a, a brand is really a character of uh, a specific company, right? Uh, it, it stands for something. You know, when you buy a can of Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola is one of the strongest brands. I mean, uh, Warren Buffett loves Coke. Um, he loves the, you know, the company. It's, it's a very, very strong brand. It's been built over many, many years. It's very consistent. I, I don't care if you're in Saudi Arabia, in China, in Germany, in the United States, in, in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, in Sydney, Australia. If you walk up to the shelf and get a can of Coke off, you're going to recognize it. It's going to look the same. Maybe the lettering in Arabic is going to be a little bit different than, you know, English lettering, whatever. But you'll be able to go to the shelf, recognize right away. And when you pop it open, it's gonna taste pretty much consistent all over the world. And, and so it, that took 60, 70, 80 years of, of building that it actually stands for something, right? Um, so that brand, um, that character attracts people to work for them, right? Um, so, you know, people they're like, you know, whether it's uh, Uber or whether it's Nike or whether it's, uh, Coca-Cola or, you know, all these brands, people want to work for those companies, right? And that's when I worked for Fortune 100s, it was really easy to attract top talent, people with, you know, Harvard MBAs, Oxford MBAs, because they wanted to work for those large brands, which stood for something, right? It stood for security maybe, or it stood for entrepreneurship, but it stood, you know, it was a, it's a great marketing company, or you know, it's a great finance company. So depending on what your background was, you would seek those companies out and you would want to work for them. And it was all because of the brand, which is kind of the same things as a, as a character of an individual. So when you're a, one of the learnings for me, when I started up my own company on my own dime is, you know, everybody's like, who the hell's Tom? <laughs> Why should I work for Tom? Who is he? I mean, you know, he's, he's no longer Colgate. I mean, yeah, he's got a nice pedigree. He worked for Bankiza, he worked for Colgate, Reggae Bankiza, Strauss Elite, Phillips Electronics. So he worked for all these large companies. So maybe there's something to him, but who is he now? Right? So it's like it becomes a very different dynamic for people to buy into you instead of buying into a brand that was cultivated and, and grown over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That made it, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense, um, especially um, when you said it, you know, earlier, you know, people buy into, you know, your vision of, you know, what you're trying to achieve. So it makes sense that, you know, when you go, they'll be wondering, well, who is this person and uh, why should you buy into them? That makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think it also, I suppose one of the few things that has been in my mind is for entrepreneurs to go into this journey and start using this skill, right? So I'm now moving forward into, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm learning about all these things. Where do you think entrepreneurs should, should focus their efforts if they want to succeed, you know, in both the short term and the long term? Because for some entrepreneurs, when you're starting off, you know, the short term becomes your immediate objective. You don't have these big budgets and you don't have um, you, the bigger plans, even though they are useful for the short term, they may not seem that way. So usually they tend to be put off. Um, as you say, the, this strategy, they tend to be put off. So I'm wondering, where should entrepreneurs focus their effort if they want to succeed in both the long term and the short term? Well, look, there's a thing that, that says nothing happens until the first sale happens, 
right? So sales by far is the most, most important thing. Um, and look, you, you don't need money for sales, right? You really have to put your entrepreneur hat to sell and you don't have to have a perfect product to sell. You just need, you know, you need to have the mindset that until I sell something, I really don't have a company. One of the great examples, and I forget the gentleman's name, so so please forgive me, but um, he, like many other entrepreneurs, and he's a serial entrepreneur, so he's, you know, he's kind of hit it big on, on a bunch of things. But one of the things that he hit it big on was, was about 20, 25 years ago, he was in an airport. And he was standing in line to get his boarding pass. And uh, the line was so freaking long that uh, he he ended up missing his plane, right? Um, so he kind of asked the question, um, he said, hey, you know, who in this line would be willing to pay an extra 10 bucks to, to get their boarding pass immediately, right? Um, so he came up with the idea of the boarding pass kiosks, which are in every airport, every airlines, right? Uh, so what he did was he filed a patent on it, he did the design on it, uh, and again, you know, he didn't go off and spend a lot of money on advertising and he didn't go spend an awful lot of money on manufacturing, but he basically went to one of the airlines um, and he said, here's my idea. I will give you a 12 month exclusive for, um, and I think it was like a, about a half a million dollars or $350,000. So uh, he asked for a quote unquote investment upfront to be able to build these machines. And he gave that particular airline 12 months uh, and after that, um, he basically, you know, said those that technology would be available to everybody else. So then he went to a second airline. He did the same thing, right? And I think maybe it wasn't 12 months. Maybe it was only nine months. And then the second airline got from nine months to 16 months, and then it would be open up to everybody. But no, he he in a true entrepreneur fashion, he saw a need. He saw a problem. Right? The problem was. You know, it's a it's a manual process, and as a as a human being involved, that's kind of is the bottleneck. So, let's make it a parallel process where we can have all these automatic kiosks. We don't need people. People can just kind of go on and give their ID and they print their own boarding passes, right? Now we don't even need the kiosk at the airport. We can bring their own boarding passes over the, uh, you know, when it when it gets emailed to us. So, you know, or have it on our phone or whatever that was. But that was you know before phones existed and all those things existed. So. Um, and he didn't need a lot of money, you know, all he did was he, he sold an idea. He didn't sell a product. He sold a concept. He sold an idea. Uh, he sold it to two different airlines. Uh, and he had plenty of money to build the mechanisms, test the mechanisms, get them in market. Uh, and now every single airline and every single airport has them. Right? So it's a great idea that nothing happens before you sell something. You got to sell it. And not necessarily that you need a product to sell. You can actually sell a concept or an idea. Make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes absolutely sense. And I think uh, also this this thing you touched just last on there, which is the ability to sell a concept. I think also that goes a long way in the entrepreneurship world because if you can sell a concept, you can really communicate the value of your product before, you know, because otherwise uh, a lot of, new entrepreneurs or a small business owner will tend to focus so much on the product, the physical thing they are selling, they end up fighting for this price. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know, competing with price is a race to the bottom. It's not, it's never a winning strategy. So when you say selling a concept, I think that's also really um, highlights, you know, that you need to be able to sell the value so that you can establish that business. And I think uh, that's what I'm getting from what you're saying over there. And I think it's a very good place to start. And I'm wondering for entrepreneurs, you know, sitting in the audience and you're thinking, okay, so there's all this company culture and then there is, you know, building up your vision. And then I'm wondering, you know, there's building up your team. So I'm wondering for, you know, for a small, for an entrepreneur or for a small business owner starting up, wanting to build their small business company culture, what kind of tools uh, would they need or what kind of uh, resources would you say that they will definitely need to be able to take this a step further? Because it's difficult. It, you, no one wants to reinvent the wheel, right? 
Well, you know, a lot of times when uh, in today's society we think about tools, you know, we think about apps or, you know, finance. You know, so look, tools are, are cool, but we're human beings. And, and when it comes to cultures, it's not so much about tools. It's about who you are as an individual and how you relate to others as an individual. Um, and there's no sophisticated tools for that. It, it's just, look, um, whether people are on your employees or whether the people are on your team who are not employees, um, you have to build relationships with them. I, uh, if, if, if you and I, um, you know, we spent maybe 20 minutes together on this, uh, on the Zoom call, um, we kind of just scratch the surface of who you are and who I am, right? Um, you know, it, it's unlikely that you're going to jump on my team or I'm going to jump on your team. And you're going to invest in me and I'm going to invest in you over a 20 minute, you know, Zoom call. Right? It just doesn't happen that way. Um, it, it's <laughs> when, when, when Facebook, I mean, you know, now I do it very differently because, um, you know, it, it's a marketing tool. But when Facebook first came out, I would get all these invitations to be a friend. And my first reply was, who are you and where did I have drinks or food with you? Right, uh, and if you couldn't answer that, I wouldn't become your friend uh, on Facebook because I think you know so, something as fundamental human beings as food, having a, a meal together or having drinks together, uh, to to form that relationship. Um, in, in my mind, that's essential, and you can't really get that on a phone, uh, even on a Zoom call. I mean, a phone call is really voice, and and when two people sit down and they communicate and they buy into each other. Uh, there's a lot of senses are working. Right? I mean, did, did you ever have a uh, did you ever have an instance where you sat down across the table with somebody and the kind of hair went up in the back of your neck and you go, man, I I don't know what it is about this guy, but I really don't like him. I just you know I, there's no way in hell that I can do any kind of business or relationship with them. Uh, and it's not because of the words they said. Uh, it was a combination of words, physical actions, body posture, you know, just just the aura that that they kind of gave off, and, and you didn't click. And then there's other times where you meet somebody and within 20 minutes, you go, man, this guy's going to be a, a lifetime friend. I don't know what it is about him, but you know, just like a great dude or and we're just going to be friends for forever. Um, there is no app for that. Right? There is no technology. There's no tool for that. That's just, just two human beings uh, using all their sophisticated sensory you know, stuff that, that you know, God created in them. Right. Um, and, and, getting along with somebody or not getting along with somebody, right? Um, so I, unfortunately, I don't, <laughs> I don't have an answer for you is to say, hey, you know, if you buy this one app, you'll be, you'll be great. But all I can say is to you is, is if, you fail, if you fail to form relationships with others, then you got a problem, right? Um, because um, you can't do it alone. You need people to support you, whether they're employees or whether they're indirect team members. Uh, you need them to support you. You need them to bring you along. You need them to lift you up uh, for, for you to become successful. Uh, and if you don't have a relationship with them, they're not going to do that. I think you, you, you said something quite powerful there. It's, a, it's about relationship with these people that we, you know, if we don't have the relationship with them, then it's really it's hard because we are just by ourselves now. There's background noise here in the house. <laughs> Sorry about that. Now, one of the things that I was going to ask, uh, I suppose, as a follow-up is, you know, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, we already know that, you know, we need to build up these relationships to get started. And we already know that, you know, it's it's going into business, it's all about selling and everything, right? And now, I suppose, my question is really focusing on to, they want to build this company culture, right? And what's the first step or maybe a three process step that will guide them as they go? Not necessarily a blueprint, but it's something that if you are doing these things, that means you're going in the right direction. So what I do is if, you know, if a company brings me in to do a workshop on culture, right? The um, culture really starts off with your values. Uh, what are those values? And, and there's no right or wrong values. It's just a collection of values. And uh, typically what I'll do is I'll list 50 values uh, on a piece of paper uh, and hand that piece of paper out to all the people in the room and have them circle five or six. Right? And then what you'll find is when those people 
do that exercise, uh, not everybody's five or six is going to be the same. But ultimately, you're going to have a number of values that everybody circled or the majority of people in the room circled, right? Not those values, way, you know, uh, typical values are like something like honesty or, uh, you know, something like hard work or something like, um, um, you know, um, achievement or, or something like recognition or, you know, th these, are, these are words that are kind of good, you know, value words. Um, and then, you know, those people will have those values um, all agree on because they all circle them, right? So I may have six different values that I circled that you circled, but we may have three in common, right? So three, the two of us can agree to say, all right, well, those three values that you and I both circled, we share, we share those values. So let those be fundamental values that we all share as a company, right? And then how do those values define you know what our culture is right um and then you know what are the systems that you're going to put in place uh, to support that culture so one of the first things for example in an entrepreneur company because we're talking about entrepreneurships here is um in an entrepreneur environment um it's okay to fail but it's not okay not to try right so well what does that mean well what that means is in an entrepreneur environment, uh, you cannot have an incentive system that punishes failure, right? And you cannot have an incentive system that, that rewards uh, not trying, right? So you can't have it safe, right? In order, what you do is you actually put an incentive system that encourages people trying and failing, and that's okay, right? Failing is, is part of being an entrepreneur. If you haven't failed, then, you know, either you're Jesus walking on water <laughs> or, or, you know, but even Jesus failed. I mean, you know, failure is just, just um, part of life. So, so accept it, um, try, uh, and it's okay. Right? But that's, that's how you start, you know, quote unquote, a tool is, is just list 50 values. Um, and, and if you haven't done this for yourself, forget that, you know, forget your team just as an individual. Um, you know, basically list those values and say, you know, what are your fundamental values that define your character? Uh, and your character is going to be built on those values. So I, I did this exercise many, many years for myself. And so I'll share my, my personal uh, character of what it's all about. And um, I will also share with you my vision statement, right? So forget the number of companies I worked for, but just, you know, Tom himself, you know, what, what is, how's Tom wired? So um, I ask myself three questions. The first question is, who am I? The second question is, what is my passion? And a third question is, what am I good at? So who am I? I'm a servant leader. Well, you know, you can have all kinds of definitions of what servant leadership means, but I have my own, you know, specific definition of a servant leader, and we can expand on that later if you want, but I'm a servant leader. Right? It's, it's not about me. It's about something much bigger than me. It's about serving my team. It's about serving my customers. It's about serving my suppliers. Um, and my success is going to be their success. So if I create an environment where they can be successful and I serve them that they can be successful, then by definition, I will be successful. Right? The second thing is, you know, what am I passionate about? Well, every morning I get up and I'm passionate about helping other people. Right. Um, some people say, you know, one of the buzzwords now is, you know, add value to people. Well, what is adding value to people? It's, it's making other people better. Right. You're, you're supporting them. Again, it goes in line with the servant leadership principle. Right. And then the third thing is, what are you good at? Well, I'm pretty good at mentoring and I'm pretty good at leading. Right. So what happens is, is if you answer those three questions honestly and uh, make believe that they're a uh, circle so you put a question in each one of the circles and where the three intersect uh, if you live your life in there uh, then you will be successful uh, so for example a lot of people hate what they do they do it for a paycheck right so they're not passionate about what they're doing they just do it because you know they get a good paycheck for it uh, and they'll never be successful because their heart's not in it right or, or some people think they're good at something but they're actually terrible at it right uh, and they're trying to make a living off it, but they're just 
they're not good at it. So, uh, and until somebody kind of mentors them and tells them, look, you, you need to do a little bit something different because this is not working for you, right? And just, you know, be honest with people. So look, if, if you're sure who you are and you're passionate about what you're doing and you're good at it, um, then, you know, whatever that is, uh, you're going to be successful. With it. And, and look, the, the beauty of that is, is you don't have to have multiple personalities depending on when you're at work or you're at home or whatever you're doing. I mean, I can use that same formula. You know, if I want to be a servant leader, I could be a servant leader of my family. If I want to mentor, I can mentor my kids and I could also mentor my employees. If I want to add value to my family or to my friends or to my customers or to my suppliers, I can add value. So I can use the same formula regardless of where I am in life. Right. And then the second thing is a vision statement. Right. My vision statement is man of God, leader of men. So what does that mean? Right. A good vision statement will be a good test. Every time you come to a decision um, in life, you ask the question to say, does that hold water with my vision statement, right? So wherever I have to make a major decision, and I'm not talking about micro, you know, small decisions about what am I gonna eat for breakfast today or whatever, but you come to a major decision, like I'm gonna take a job. Well, um, does it honor God? And is it a leadership role, right? So I can tell you, and not to this on certain industries, but throughout my career, I can't tell you how many times cigarette companies and alcohol companies asked me to work for them. And I said, well, you know, um, I, I just can't consciously, in, in, in good conscience, lead a company that poisons people with cigarettes. It just makes no sense to me. I'm not going to do it. Right. Um, so whenever you have a major decision in life, run it against your vision statement. And, and if it matches with it, go do it. Right. If it doesn't, uh, I, I don't think you should. Very, I think, uh, thank you so much for actually sharing those because uh, they really allow, you know, us as well to kind of reflect, well, what's my version of that? They allow us to to put ourselves in that mindset and then ask ourselves, well, what exactly is my version of vision? What's my passion? What am I good? It, it, it gives us that opportunity to be able to answer those questions for ourselves. And actually coming back to you, I, I do actually have a little question and I'd like to understand what is your uh, definition of servant leader because as you said there is a lot of different vision uh definitions and each person may have their own i'm wondering what is yours well so as you know at one time i was ceo of a very large company uh we had about i think it was about 375 million dollars uh, was the size of the company and had about 2,000 employees across uh, about 10 different countries and um you know the and I thought I had the easiest job in the room, right? Um, because as a servant leader, um, all I had to do was create an environment where people could be successful, right? Um, and then um, how do I create that environment for people to be successful? Well, first, um, no surprise to what I'm going to say here, but uh, everybody in that room had to be aligned on the vision and the culture, right? There, There is no dissension there, right? If... Um, I've only fired maybe a handful of people in my life. Um, and there, every time the reason I fired them wasn't because of lack of performance. It was a lack of buying into the vision or the culture, right? Uh, culture is a great thing in a company uh, because I don't care if you're a janitor or a CEO. A janitor could call out a CEO and say, hey, Mr. CEO, I, I, what you're doing right here, it doesn't really live up to the values that you teach us, right? Um, and if, if, if you can't, do that in a company, then that's probably not a good culture of a company. But the whole idea about a culture is it's built on values uh, and it stands for certain things. Um, and anybody, any employee in the company could call somebody else on it and say, hey, you know, you're, you're not living according to our values in your culture. Um, you need to take a, you know, self-reflection a little bit and say what's going on. Right. So it's a, it's a great, um, I would say, you know, foundation for everybody to, you know, um, to and judge is not the right word, but everybody to kind of agree on, a, on, on that platform that that's what everybody, you know, works on. Uh, so that's that's extremely important, you know, that, that, that culture um, and and that vision. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if, if that answers your question, but that's, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, where you start and um, yeah. 
I think it helps. I think it's, uh, it does answer my question because uh, we all have, I've come to learn that in this um, entrepreneurship journey, they, you kind of need your own definitions of terminologies because, you know, if you try to rely on this word, some words have been misused and the definitions have been misapplied in different situations, which, you know, they bring, maybe they put conflicts between uh where you want to go to because if you have a wrong definition getting to where you want to go to becomes a little bit of a, of a challenge from what i'm seeing um in this space and so when you say you have your own definition it really makes sense that you know for entrepreneurs you know we need to come up with these definitions that helps us uh guide what our values are right that helps us uh shape where what our values are and we are coming to a close of the interview i've been enjoying myself and learning all these and the examples are very they're very vivid they're very applicable into uh our businesses our different situations and i'm just curious what are your final thoughts in terms of you know to help motivate entrepreneurs and to get started we so that they can take uh you know their small business and start building that company culture with values and visions that they believe in and take it to the next level well i'm going to give myself a plug right here um the, the best way to do that is, is just go on Amazon or Barnes & Noble and get a copy of my book, C-Suite and Beyond. Uh, it's called C-Suite and Beyond, The Four Keys to Leadership Success. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a lifetime, a collection of stories, some of the stories you just heard here. Uh, there's many other stories uh, that can give a, you know, a reference, a, a frame around some of these successful principles and outline where you know I wasn't using them and I failed and outline when I was using them you know I succeeded so um, the, the one advice I would have for you is, is read the book because it's going to get a lot more you know it's going to give you a lot more than I could uh, possibly just share with you in this, this short period of, of, of the podcast um, yeah just um, my biggest advice to you is, is answer those three questions that I, I suggested earlier is is you know who you are what you're good at and what your passion is and you may not have that answer right now. You know, you may take a while, it may take a year, two years, three years to answer those questions, but work on them and answer them. And it's been a pleasure uh, being part of your podcast and I hope I added some value to your audience. I am sure you did. I'm sure you did. And thank you. Um, and I'm curious, you coach yourself, right? You do coaching uh, to help businesses and teams about building because that's one of the things that I heard um, you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so I definitely coach. Um, I I do workshops. Um, I do individual executive coaching. So those are things that uh, certainly people can reach out to me if they like. Uh, we can have. I always offer a 15-minute complimentary consultation with them. So we can kind of just jump on a phone call or a Zoom call and say, what you know, what what's your hurdles? What are you trying to achieve? What's your long-term vision? And then I can you know kind of say, okay, you know, can I help them or can I not help them? Uh, and it could be a, a workshop for a company. It could be one-on-one for an individual. So, um, yeah, those are those are very helpful. But also, just you know, whenever I do that, just uh, as a, a side note, uh, most of that stuff really comes from the same experience that it's in my book. So, a lot of that stuff you'll find in a book if you want to just self, you know, mentor, self-coach yourself. And and I've done it a lot. I've I've read a lot of books throughout my lifetime, throughout my career. Um, where I had people quote unquote mentor me that I never met, right? And just by reading multiple books that they authored, uh, it helped, you know, mentor my thinking and my actions, et cetera. So um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other thing is everything in that book and everything that I do uh, is based on biblical uh, principles. So I'm not a preacher. <laughs> I don't talk about the gospel, uh, but uh, just be sure that uh, all the principles that uh, that I teach you or that we work in workshops are, are biblically based uh, because you talked about, um, you know, um, what I call absolute truth. And that's, you know, we talked about the culture. Well, that's, it's, it's an agreement of what absolute truth is for that particular company. So, you know, we live in a society today that everything's relative truth. You know, what's, what's true to you may not be true to me. What feels to you good may not be felt good to me. So I think as a society, that's part of our problem. Um, we're very self-centered. Each individual is very self-centered. Um, and they look at your, their own benefits and their own truth. And, you know, if, if, if my truth is different than your truth, then we can't get along because, you know, we, we have a disconnect. But the fact is, if you work with biblical-based values, 
then there's what is called absolute truth and and it's not great it's 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 clear yeah and you and i have to agree on it because it's an absolute truth um and as a society we kind of got a lot you know got and i'm not sure if that's the case in ireland I'm, i don't think it's a global um it's a global problem but for sure there's a problem in the us where you know people are not looking at absolute truths they're looking at relative truths and <laughs> nobody can get along anymore it's just nuts <laughs> I think I think as we go forward uh there's a lot of things we I think we you know learning to reconnect as a uh, communities and everything all like that. I want to thank you so much Thomas for sharing with us all this great knowledge all this uh all these experiences from your life and I am sure all the entrepreneurs in the audience have you know learned a lot based on what you shared with us on how you know they can take their small business and start putting those processes for culture building that culture so that whatever whenever they're ready to impl- uh, employ more teams they have this basic foundation that will guarantee this alignment with our vision with their vision mission as well as how they go about building their business so that has been a very wonderful experience um so i'm very thankful for that and also one things i wanted to make sure was you talked about there's your book on your website and can you tell us a little bit more about where they can connect with you cuz uh you know they can go get your book but if they wanted to get in touch with you for you know what do you call that so, uh, sure sure so, so if you want to buy the book like i said amazon is the easiest because amazon is all over the world but there's also i think uh two retailers online retailers in england uh that also has so just google c suite and beyond and you'll find all the you know online retailers that you can purchase it from. Uh my last name is is pretty unique. Uh if you look for my last name which is Koresti, you're not going to find a lot of people. You find me and my sister and maybe a handful of others. So uh my website is koresti.com. That's k e r e s z t i.com. Uh so then you can get to the you know my uh, my website, fill out a little form and I'll get a hold of you. So it's easy to find me. I got, you know, I got a very unique last name. That is awesome. So thank you again Thomas for sharing with us and thank you to the virtual entrepreneur for joining us on this amazing interview with Thomas on how to start building your company culture for your small business so that you can get started in, you know, putting in place a process for building your team. As you know, I'm Herbert Innocent and you have been joining us on the virtual entrepreneur and I'd like to invite you to go and learn more about Thomas at Thomas at his website which is karesty.com so that you can connect with him and learn more about what he does and if you need help I'm sure he'll be there to give you a consultation call to see how you can discover you can take your business to the next level by starting building that company culture in place and putting a place for your team aside from that thank you so much and as always have a wonderful day all right god bless thank you so much bye 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 bye